0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Saul's attempts to kill David, as we pick up in 1 Samuel, chapter 18, verse 21. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: Saul said to David, you're going to be my son-in-law today. And David said, no. Who am I? You know, I'm poor. I'm a poor man. My family's, I can't, I don't have any dowry to give And so Saul's servants spake the words in the ears of, uh, of uh, David. And they, said, and they said, you know, Saul wants you to be his, his uh, son-in-law. He wants you to marry his daughter, Michelle. And David says, hey, do you guys think it's just a light thing to be the king's son? I'm a poor man. I'm lightly esteemed. And so they came back and they told Saul, hey, he doesn't want to do it. He he doesn't feel, you know, that he 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 should. He doesn't have the dowry or anything else. So Saul said, go back and tell him that I really don't want any dowry of money. And uh, he set up a dowry regarding the Philistines. And uh, David uh, went out and gave him double dowry And uh, so Saul then, of course, was sort of shocked and surprised. He figured David would get wiped out in going out against the Philistines, but he gave then his daughter Michelle to David as a wife. Now in the 19th chapter, we find Saul's third attempt to kill David. David spoke to Jonathan, his son, to all of his servants, and he told them that they should kill David. But Jonathan, because of his love for David, said to David, David, my my dad seeks to kill you. I pray, take heed to yourself until the morning and abide in a secret place, hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are and I'll commune with my father of thee and I'll see what I see, I'll tell you. In other words, Hide yourself until I can find out really what my dad is thinking. So Jonathan spoke good of David to Saul, his father, and said, "'Let not the king sin against his servant and against David, "'because he hath not sinned against you, "'and because his works have been very good toward you. "'For he did put his life in his own hand, "'and he slew the Philistine, "'and the Lord wrought great salvation for all Israel. "'You saw it, and you did rejoice.'" Why then will you sin against innocent blood and slay David without a cause? And Saul hearkened to the voice of Jonathan, and Saul swear as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. So there was an apparent change of attitude for a moment. Now, Saul does manifest uh, almost a schizophrenia. Uh, I would imagine that if a psychiatrist would read the, the case history on Saul here, he would probably be classified as a schizophrenic. Uh, he would have these periods of great depression. Uh, he would have periods of remorse and, and um, periods of, of change. Oh, David, my son, you know, you know, you're like a son to me and speak great words of love. And then Next day, try to ram him through with a javelin again. So uh, he was very vacillating. Now, Jonathan, uh, speaking these kind words to his dad about David, Saul responded, and he said, As the Lord liveth, he will not be slain. So Jonathan called David, and Jonathan showed him all those things, and Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his Saul's presence as in times past. And there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fled from him. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul as he sat in his house. His javelin was in his hand, and David played with his hand on the harp, and Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. But David slipped out of Saul's presence, and this javelin went into the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. So Saul sent out messengers to David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michelle, David's wife, told him, saying, now if you don't save your life tonight, tomorrow you're gonna be dead. So Michelle let David down through a window and he fled and escaped. And then she took the bed and put pillows and all under the blankets so it looked like someone was lying there. And so in the morning when the messengers were going to kill David. They said, oh, he's sick. You know. He, he he, they said, we want to bring him to Saul. He said, he's sick. He's you know, in bed. And so they went to Saul and they said, we can't bring him. The guy's sick in bed. He said, bring him with a bed and all so he can slay him. So they went back to get David. And then they found out that it was just uh, the pillows under the blankets and all. David was gone. And so He got angry with his daughter, Michelle. He said, what are you doing, you know, turning against your own father, your own flesh and blood to protect David and all? And um, so Michelle actually uh, said to her dad, well, she said, he told me, let me go, I'm going to kill you. So she lied her way out of it. So David fled, and he came to Samuel there in Ramah. And he told him all that Saul had done to him. And Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. And so Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing, uh, appointed over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they all prophesied. So here's an interesting thing. Samuel was there at Naoth, and David was there, and, and so they sent these guys out to take David in. And God's Spirit just came on them, and they just started prophesying. So he sent out another group of messengers to get David, and, and as they came near where the Spirit of God was working, the Spirit of God came on them, they started prophesying. So he sent out a third company of messengers to get David. And when they came into the scene and all this going on, they began to prophesy, so Saul came down himself. And uh, the spirit came on Saul, and he took off his clothes. He lay there naked all night prophesying. And so that they began to say, is Saul among the prophets? Again, that proverb that came out early in Saul's career. Now David fled from Naoth in Ramah, and he came to Jonathan, and he said, what have I done? What is my iniquity? What is my sin that your father is seeking my life? And Jonathan said to him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but he'll show it to me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? Is it not so? Uh, David said, your father's trying to kill me. Jonathan said, oh, he's, he's not ready. trying to kill you. He wouldn't do anything unless he told me first, and he has not said anything about it. And David swore moreover and said, your father certainly knows that you and I are good friends. And so he said, don't let Jonathan know this, lest he is grieved, but truly, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. David just said, man, I'm living on the border of eternity. There's just a step between me and death. Your dad's after me and he's trying to kill me. Then Jonathan said to David, whatever you want, I'll do. And David said to Jonathan, behold, tomorrow is the new moon. And I'm supposed to be sitting there at your father's feast, and I'm not going to show up. And I want you to pick up on your dad's attitude when I don't show up. And if he says, where's David, just tell him, well, his family is having an annual get-together in Bethlehem. And David pleaded with me that he might go and spend this annual family affair with his family, and so he didn't come. And, and just notice what your dad's attitude is when I don't show up, because he's really planning to kill me when I come and sit there at the table. So Jonathan was a little skeptical, but he said, okay, uh, we'll, uh, we'll let you know. But he said, what we'll do is... is you wait out here behind this rock. And I'll come out with my servant when I really found out what my dad's feelings are. I'll come out with my servant and I will shoot my arrows and send him out after them. And if I call to him and I, and I say, the arrows are this side of you, then uh, they've fallen short, then you'll know that it's okay, that my dad is in a good mood and, and he doesn't really have any intentions of killing you. But if I say to the young fellow, the arrows have gone beyond you, then you'll know it's time to flee because my dad is angry and is thinking about killing you. So Saul, the new moon, the feast of the king, and and Abner, his captain, was there. Jonathan's place was there, but David's place was empty. And Saul didn't say anything the first day. He figured, well, he probably isn't ceremonially clean. You know, maybe he's killed someone today, has blood on his hands, and so he wants to, you know, go through the cleansing rite before he comes. He'll be here tomorrow. So the next day when David's chair was empty too, he said to Jonathan, where's David? And Jonathan said, well, his family's having an annual get-together. It's a family gathering, and, and David pleaded with me that he might go and spend this celebration with the family in Bethlehem. And Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. And he said, Thou son of a perverse woman, and don't I know that you've chosen the son of Jesse to your own confusion and to the confusion of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse is living, you're not going to become king after me, he's going to have the kingdom. Wherefore now, send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. So uh, Saul, of course, gave forth now his true feelings. Jonathan saw what was in his dad's heart. And Jonathan said, why should he be slain? What evil has he done? And Saul cast his javelin at Jonathan. I mean, the guy was just, you know, enraged. And so just because his son dared to ask a question. Why should you kill him? What has he done wrong? Well, Saul let fly with the javelin towards his son, Jonathan. And so Jonathan knew that he had determined to kill David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger. He was really upset with his dad. He did not eat meat on the second day of the month, and he was grieved for David because his father had Done him this shame. And so it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David, and the little fellow was with him, the little boy to chase his arrows, and he said to the lad, Run out into the field and find the arrows which I shoot. And so as the lad ran, he shot the arrows beyond him. And when the lad was come to the place of the arrow which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? So Jonathan said, hurry and gather together all of the arrows. And so the fellow gathered together all the arrows and they brought them back to Jonathan. So Jonathan gave him all of his artillery and said, take it back to town. And after the little boy left, then David came out from behind the rock where he was hiding. And um, he bowed himself. They kissed each other. They wept with one another until David acceded. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace for as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of Jehovah, saying that Jehovah be between me and thee and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Now David and Jonathan had made a bond. Jonathan realized that somehow God was going to give the kingdom to David, and he said, I just want you to you know, treat my family well when you come into the kingdom. And all of my descendants, let there be a bond between us. And David made an oath to Jonathan that he would treat the house of Saul uh, with respect and kindness and, and in love. So David now fled to Nob, to Ahimelech, who was the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said to him, why are you alone? Why aren't there... Uh, men with you, you know, David was a captain over a thousand men. Where's, where's your, where are your troops? David said to Ahimelech the priest, the king has commanded me on a business and said, let no man know anything of the business whereabout I'm sending you. And what I have commanded thee, and I've appointed my servants to such and such a place. So David saying, well, I'm a CIA agent. I'm on a special mission for the king. And nobody knows, you know, about this special mission. It's just a secret mission I'm on for King Saul. And so my men are over here, and I need some bread for them. Well, the the uh, priest said, I don't have any common bread. All I've got is this bread that I've baked for the showbread for the table of the Lord. It was that bread that would have been sanctified to set out before God on the table of showbread. And David said, well, give it to me five loaves, and, and, and for me and my men. And, and he said, well, are the men clean? He said, have they not touched women? He said, we haven't been around women for at least three days since we've been on this trip. And so the fellow gave them the holy bread, uh, which was not lawful for any man to eat but the priest. And um, they, they took it and gave it to David and his men. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus uh, makes reference to this particular incident when the Pharisees are trying to nail him in some of the fine technical aspects of the law. Jesus said, did not David take the showbread which was not lawful for a man to eat? They They were getting on him because they felt he had violated the law of the Sabbath, you know, one of the fine points of the law of the Sabbath. The disciples had gone through the field on the Sabbath day, and they took some wheat, uh, corn of wheat, uh, they called it the, the, the wheat, you know, the tassel of wheat there. They call it the corn, actually. And they took it, and they were rubbing it in their hands. Now, uh, you can take the dry wheat from the stock, and you can rub it in your hands, and, and as you rub it in your hands, it has the effect of, of, of sort of threshing it. What you're doing is rubbing off the hard, outside hull. And then you can hold in your hands and blow on it, and you can actually blow off the hulls. And then you can eat the wheat raw, and it's, it's actually very good. One of the trips over in Israel, we were there in the latter part of May when the wheat fields were about ready for harvest, and up in the area near Mount Gilboa, where Saul and Jonathan were ultimately killed, uh, which is up at one end of the Valley of Megiddo. It's about eight miles, 10 miles south of the Sea of Galilee, Mount Gilboa there. There in that valley, beautiful wheat fields. And so we were there and I, I went out and I took some of this wheat and I rubbed it in my hands and, and blew off the hulls and, and ate this wheat. And of course, when we were kids, we discovered you know, out of the chicken feed, if we took the wheat, picked the wheat out of the chicken feed, we were kids. It's soft enough that you can crunch it in your teeth and chew it. And if you chew it long enough, it turns into a gum. And we used to always chew wheat gum when we were kids. You know, we didn't have enough money to buy regular chewing gum. So we'd pick all the wheat out of the, out of the chicken feed, and then we'd chew it. And after a while, it turns into gum, and we'd have our gum with the with wheat. And so it's very nutritional, very healthy. And... Uh, So uh, the disciples were with Jesus. They were hungry. It was the Sabbath day. They were going through the wheat field, so they began to pick the corn of wheat and rub it in their hands and and blow it off and began to eat it. And so they said, oh, look at your disciples. They're doing that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. You're not supposed to do any work. And so that constituted work, rubbing the wheat in your hands. And so Jesus said, don't you remember what David did when he was hungry? how he went in and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for a man to eat. So Jesus makes an allusion to this thing of David, showing that human need rises above the law. Human hunger. These guys are hungry. Forget this little work bit of rubbing the wheat in your hands. They're hungry. And the hunger supersedes the fine point of the law. Even as with David, the guys are hungry. Yes, it's not lawful that they should eat this showbread. Yes, it's supposed to be, you know, only there for the priest to eat, but the guys are hungry. And so the human hunger supersedes the fine points of the law. The point that Jesus was making, and of course using this particular instance with David as the illustration of the point, which of course everybody accepted that David had done. In other words, there was no wrongdoing here. So the priest gave him the hallowed bread, verse six, where there was no bread except the show bread that was taken from before the Lord and put hot bread. In the day when it was taken away So they ate the bread that had been sitting there All week before the Lord When it was replaced by this new hot bread Now a certain man of the servants of Saul Was there that day And his name was Doeg And he was an Edomite Doeg and you could very well pronounce it dog Because he turned out to be a real dog (laughs) And he was the head over the herdsman That belonged to Saul And David said to Ahimelech, do you have here any spear or any sword? For I didn't bring any sword or weapons with me because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, well, I have the sword of Goliath that you took from him when you killed him, and it's wrapped here in a cloth behind the ephod. And so if you will take it, there's no other but that one here. So David said, ah, there's no sword like that one. Give it to me. So David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul, and he went to Achish, the king of Gath. So actually, he fled down to the camp of the Philistines, to the enemy, the city of Gath, and to King Achish. And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did not they sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart, and he was afraid of Achish, the king of Gath.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Samuel on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Samuel 18-21 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck.
1: May the Lord be with you and bless you, give you a beautiful day tomorrow. And so God keep you in the love of Jesus Christ and strengthen you by His Spirit in your inner man. And may He help you to begin to comprehend what is the length, the breadth, the depth, the height of His love. And begin to understand more and more The things that He has prepared for those who love Him and wait on Him. May God cause His grace to abound towards you
0: through Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For years, Pastor Chuck was asked thousands of questions.
1: This new guy that my mom married, he thinks that the Christian beliefs are foolish, and I was wondering if that's going to like affect my mom's walk. I'm a Christian, I'm trying to fight the addiction of smoking, and are those things going to keep me from going in the rapture? Is it okay to use your tithe and give it to someone who's going on a mission trip instead of giving it directly to church? The Word for Today is pleased to present an e-book called Biblical Counseling by Chuck Smith, listing over 200 topics that include Pastor Chuck's commentary and the scripture references he used. Topics include addiction, business relationships, depression, lawsuits, sexuality, training children, and so much more. To download the Biblical Counseling ebook by Chuck Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided, or you can call 1-800-272-9673.